What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast that is affectionately known in some circles as Two Nerdy Black Guys. I'm David Majors. I go by DJM because those are my initials, and I'm not very creative or talented. My co-host is a very creative and very talented young man you've probably seen and heard of uh, over at Drunk Kids Gaming or his fantastic photography, King Kaz himself, Mr. Brandon Cooper. What's up, Kaz? I think you were talking about two totally different people. Uh, the, the guy that does the photography and Drunk Kids Gaming. Last I heard, that was you. But the creative and good at it parts are... Nah. <laughs> well, one of us has to be on this show. I mean, one of us has to be the guy that actually has some talent. And, and I refuse to acknowledge such a thing. So you're stuck yeah. with it. I try. I've, I'm making attempts, <laughs> especially yeah. coming off of the latest convention I went to, which right didn't and go 100. It wasn't 100. Well, um, only because it was, as I've been describing it to people, disgustingly hot. It was mm. so 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 humid, and there was so much just like hotness in the world that um people it, it was one of those conv- like well Kaz, uh before I-, I let you dive into oticon full on there are a couple of things i wanted to ask you about and then uh, i will let you talk all you need to about oticon but uh first of all uh, you are the the resident bat fan that i know uh, and we've talked ad infinitum on this podcast about your love of Batman and the cape and the cowl. And I, I want to ask you uh, the much talked about animated film, The Killing Joke. Uh, you did you it. see that? Did, did we talk about that? Have you seen it? I, I don't remember if we talked about it. I did see it. I, read, I did see it. I've only had one viewing of it. And um, I'm going mm, Meant to have another one of it, but one viewing was was good, and I've had the one viewing, so I have seen it, because I think All that's right. what that means. <laughs> now, I know anyone that listens to Two Nerdy Black Guys knows that you are a huge fan of the Batman franchise, so this is just one of the things that is related to Batman that I want to ask you about recently, so please... Okay. Kaz, tell me, uh, The Killing Joke. Let's let's start with The Killing Joke. What did you think of uh, the movie, the animated movie, The Killing Joke? Um, all, all in all, not bad. That being said, not the best showing from the DC animated universe um, that there has been. I feel like it was lackluster in some parts, and I feel like there was definitely some parts of it that were very thrown together. Um, even, even to the point where I started to question their choices in it as a, as a, as a person viewing these things, it, it started to make me question the decisions that they made in production and how they got that far, knowing the other things that they have put out throughout the DC universe. Now, uh, there was some controversy regarding The Killing Joke in in regards to certain scenes. Uh, one mm-hmm. in particular uh, between Bruce Wayne, Batman, and Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, or Bar- Oracle, if you prefer. Um, yes. I, I'd especially love to hear your take on this, because this was something everybody was talking about. So, that that part initially, right? That part initially hit me and, and and I mean initially and I mean for like five minutes hit me the same way that everybody who yelled about it on the internet did or, or like what is this this isn't how dare you and you know I pushed my glasses up and then I realized I didn't wear glasses so I took them off and I looked at the context of it and throughout the history people have always played with this idea um in, in different mediums, in some comic books, in the Batman the Animated Series and other things, uh, where Barbara is in love with Bruce or they share some some romantic relationship. There have been things where they, they 
kind of flirt around with it. But then there's the whole love triangle of, of Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon and Bruce Wayne and all this kind of stuff. But in this particular universe um, with this thing, it was kind of jarring because. And, and these are the thoughts I, I came to. It was kind of jarring only because it then changes the latter half of what the killing joke is supposed to be to me. Um, and for the, for, for some reason, for those who are not in the know who listen to this show, the killing joke is this comic book, um, came out a long time ago. Uh, I'm going to say in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, I'm probably incorrect, so so don't don't write your emails. Um, but it's this standalone tale written by uh, Alan Moore, where it, it's a very shared tale between Batman and the Joker, and there's their whole relationship and their ups and downs, and there being two sides of the same coin kind of thing. So you you enter into this movie, and they want to make Barbara Gordon feel important, right? But I feel what they ended up doing is they made the killing joke as the story because Barbara Gordon is a central character in the killing joke, but not as central as she is in the movie. There's not this whole prologue with her or this whole backstory or stuff like that. And I feel like what you end up doing is you turn it into a revenge movie instead of a character study of these two these two people who live on on this this who live in this world and have taken things very drastically different um because now it's all about the emotions that that bruce shares for barbara and and him getting back at the joker like it, it it just changes the whole the whole thing and i wish they had taken it a different route like i don't have a problem with the exploration of a relationship between those two people but i feel like in this particular story you you you, I don't want to say sully, but you kind of you kind of put a little bit of dirt in it in in what the original intent is supposed to be, and you make people visually and 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 see things differently than than I think if they just read the Killing Joke as it is would have perceived them. Now, just in comparison to the comic, which you just did, uh, overall coming out of the Killing Joke. What is your overall grade, if you had to give one? The movie. C minus? Oh, wow. Really? C minus? Yeah. Wow. Because, so, I look at it like this, right? Though That whole first, I think it's like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, with the whole Barbara Gordon thing, um, sets you up for this whole, like, it it initially sets you up for this like teacher student thing, right? And then it kind of it kind of enters this really weird territory with the whole emotions and like all this other kind of stuff. And really, it, it's a really hard focus on Barbara Gordon. Like, I, I thought it was gonna kind of I, I thought it was gonna kind of be like a weird mix of like student teacher and like Barbara being there and her being like you know like kind of the over the over eager kind of kid who then, you know, just kind of tries to do too much. Um, then you add this whole love story. And I feel like the love story changes what you're supposed to get from this, having read the comic books. And then, and then I tried to do, I tried to do the good reviewer thing. I tried to just watch it for the content that it is. And then you get to the latter half. And, you, and even if you watch it for the content that it is, you get to the latter half where, Everything has already happened, and now you're into the meat and potatoes of what is the killing joke. And you get there, and everything just feels weird because because it feels like it feels like somebody started telling you a story, got up and left, took the book with them, and then someone else came in and finished off the story, not having heard the first part that the other person told, like. And they're loosely they're they're they they're loosely connected and they have all the same character names, but you're just like I I don't feel like this is the direction that 
that the person who was telling me that first story was gonna go. <laughs> and then you like, you're like, I don't, you know, it, it just feels very, it feels like two parts that they just, they just threw together. Um, and it, it just made me sad for on this show in particular. And, and you and I have both talked about the, the awesomeness that is the DC animated universe, like, and how they have done no wrong. And, and this is their first wrong with something that people really, really wanted to see from them. And there is a little bit of overhype that I think this project had with it as well. Like, I, I think people got really, really, really over hyped for what this well, thing was going to be. This was this was a comic that a lot of people held in very high regard. So th- yeah. there was always going to be some hype there. Yeah. Um, but you, you know the thing where I, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you're so 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 excited for something. You're like super duper excited for something, and the picture and the emotion that you feel in the anticipation for it, that when it actually happens, even if it's still awesome, it's slightly lackluster than what your imagination has done to it. This is literally every WWE major event. <laughs> okay <laughs> every single one of them well then I, I, I there you go kids um but wow a c minus really yeah because wow i feel like it was good i feel like uh, a, I, a I feel c minus like... isn't good well, no 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 I'm, I'm justifying my c minus i feel okay. like it was good the art was amazing. The voice acting was just the voice acting was what I wanted it to be. It was good. There are a few moments there. And and this is again, I think for me my imagination did more for this than the actual the actual product was, but there were even moments for me where I felt like and I, I hate to say this, and, and and on this comment, ladies and gentlemen, you can send in your angry emails. Um, and that's at the swagger on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I feel even Mark Camel, as excited as he was for this project, there are bits where even he's not living up to his own performances as the Joker. Like, I feel like there's moments where they took the first take and then it was just like, all right, great. And I don't. Well, you gotta remember, you gotta remember, Cass. He has been playing that role for in excess of nearly 25 years. Yeah, and and I understand. Admittedly, Mark Hamill isn't a young guy anymore. Neither is Kevin Conroy. So they they might not have the the same fire inside of them. As they used to, so uh. I, I feel well. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right. I feel like Kevin Conroy, his Batman is just kind of. I feel like he's honed it in, and he's 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 one of those people that I think he loves the medium enough that he just doesn't care. Mark Hamill has has done enough other things and he's known for enough other things that that getting typecast in anything i mean the dude was typecast as luke skywalker for the longest time then he was typecast as the joker for the longest time so i feel like sometimes he gets a little bit over it um and i feel like maybe coming into this project coming into the excitement for this project I, I feel like direction-wise, you lose a little bit, right? Because you got all these, and, and, and I'm, I'm saying this about Bruce Tim in particular. I feel like you, you come into this project and you're like, "Hey, I got I got Hamill back. I got you know um, Kevin Conroy. I got uh, Tara Strong. I got all these great people that I've worked with before, and I I know them. You know, I feel like sometimes telling your friend that they fucked up." When, when they've been doing it for years, becomes harder instead of easier. And I feel like 
there's a lot of lines delivered in there by Mark Hamill that sometimes needed to be done again. But mm. they're not they're not a lot of them. There are not a lot of them. He still hits those fucking key points as the Joker because as DJM said, he's been doing it for 25 plus fucking years. Um but he also got tired of it. Of of all the people he got tired of doing it. Um so I feel like that little bit of out of practice kind of thing and i feel like sometimes you just need to be like you know what i don't know if i i don't know if i hit the mark on that one even when everyone else around you is telling you it's good it's good no it's good it's great it's good like i feel like at a certain point you got to take it in yourself to just be like I'm a, you know what, i'm gonna do that one just one more time just to see if i can get a little more out of it and it's something i've been trying to do myself a lot lately uh, and stop being a one take Sally and being like, can we, can we go, can we try it again? Uh, especially in it's fine. That's that's normal. That's normal on anything. Doing, I've been trying to do more of the YouTube stuff now, and that's oh, sure. content you can take time and you can say, I don't like the way that came out. Let's let's go. Let's come at it from a different angle, or or let let's see if we can hit that same mark but better you know because you have the ability to do that you have the ability even for me when when i've done some of the tests in playing games like there's still some one shot things you want there's still some some one take emotions that you want to get out of things but there are moments where you could be like i didn't like the way this came out and we can easily do that again and i'm going to um and it's a in being a person who uses different skill sets and different things, I, I notice it in other places that it doesn't show up everywhere, but it shows up in that one particular place. And being that Otakon was my only convention this year, so it was the only place where I really, 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 really got to do camera stuff was where I noticed that I have that skill to just be like, I didn't get what I want and I want to try to get it again. You know, like, and I'm, I want to hit that mark so I get what I want. And then even when I hit what I want, let me try it one or two more times and see if I can get it a little bit better, even though I think I hit the mark. Like, photography is the only place where I have that drive in, in that sense. And I'm trying to bring it to other things. But all right. So let's let's bring it back to the franchise, the Bat franchise. Yes. The, uh, the Bat averse. There was another thing that has come out recently that everybody has a hot take on, except me, because I haven't seen it. But Kaz, have you seen uh, Suicide Squad? You know what? I, this, this is one of those weird uh, fucking two nerdy black guys where, where DJM wants to ask me questions about things that I should have seen, and then normally I haven't seen them yet, and then we gotta wait till next week. But this time, I have seen all of these things, DJM. <laughs> yes! Yes! The two nerdy black guys are on point this episode, everybody. Um, Alright, so Suicide Squad. I, I can't talk. Uh, suicide Squad. <laughs> Squid Squad. The latest DC Squad, Squid, Squid. film. Yeah. Starring Will Smith, Margot Robbie, and Jared no Leto. And nobody else? Nobody else? Nope. You you already named too many names. I'm going to tell you that right now. (laughs) All right. Then I'll cut that third one out. (laughs) All right, Mr. Cooper. Yeah. Give me your hot take on Suicide Squad. So here's the thing. I went went and saw that movie. I initially came out of that movie. I initially went to that movie with low to medium expectations right that movie impressed me i will say that i will say that first because this is a this is a compliment sandwich um that movie impressed me and i will definitely give it that because it ended up being a lot better than i expected it to be um and it ended up doing things that i wished it would have done and it ended up and like and it ended up delivering on them um i feel like the beginning of that movie sets itself up really really well and it makes it 
so much, and it, and it brings this little bit of fun to the darkness that the DC um, cinematic universe is, is kind of painting itself to be. But, and and he, here's the meat, which is usually the bad compliment sandwich. Um, I still feel like, as a whole, the DC movies, um, especially Batman v Superman in this movie, suffer from really, really bad editing. Um, like, like egregiously bad. Like hard cuts that are not that are not smoothed over later. Um, where you're you're watching and seeing and listening to dialogue that then has a hard cut in the same scene where you can tell they just straight up cut dialogue and then kept it and then didn't didn't have the like idea of a reshoot to kind of smooth it over or go like or just anything it just is just hard fucking cuts where they're like ah you know what he doesn't need to say that whole sentence but we'll still keep the response to that whole sentence that the next character says but then we'll cut out everything that is in response to that response and then just jump to the next scene so it's just it it's very odd and it, it it at times can be drawing and almost take you out of the movie but the movie has enough fun in it that it it allows you to it allows you to just kind of be it allows you to have enough fun with it that those things don't hinder you from enjoying the movie now kaz you are literally the first person i have ever seen describe anything in Suicide Squad remotely as fun. You are the first. Uh, And I want to ask what you think about... There was a eclectic cast of characters in this movie uh, Mm -hmm. with some some well-known performers. Uh, How did you feel about those guys all around? Um, So... I'll start that with this, right? The the Suicide Squad has always been, as I've known it, I'm not the biggest fan of the Suicide Squad. It's just just not ever really been a series that hardcore gripped me. I I like the idea of it, and the the few comics I've read of it have been really good. But it's always been that. It's always been this, like, this land grab of of odd characters, generally Batman characters that, like, kind of just don't fit well together but you make it work and it's this fun kind of always like heist book that you're reading where you're like how are they going to pull this off there's no way um so coming into this movie you you bring a few really iconic characters being the joker holly quinn um deadshot killer croc and that's about it um as as like Things that you could say to the layman on the street and they would know. Um, Deadshot, not so much, but still. The thing about that, though, is Will Smith did a really great job. I think he's one of these people. He's really... uh, I've had my problems with Will Smith in other movies, but the man's a really good character actor. Like, Like, he will take the homework you give him and he will study it and study it and study it and then he will come back and give you a performance. It won't be it won't be 100% every, all the time, but goddamn if the dude doesn't get an A. Like I I will give his performance of that like so much so much win. He played that character really well, even in scenes that are just horrendous. He played his character really well. Same goes for um Oh, what is her name again? Margot Robbie, who played Harley Quinn. The only problem I had with her, and it's the same like kind of problem I had with Mark Hamill's Joker a few times, where there are a few scenes um, where her performance of Harley Quinn is very, very, very much taken from the Batman animated series Harley Quinn. Like, the well, way- that is the source material. To be that fair, is, that is definitely the source material. So yes, to be fair, th- that is where she should be taking it from. So there should be a, a sense of pride in that. 
But there are these moments where she has this pretty good Harley Quinn kind of thing down. Then there are these moments where, like, she tries to do, like, the Tara Strong Harley Quinn voice. You know, like, oh, Mr. J kind of, like, you know, thing. And at times it's a little bit jarring because she can't. So there are these, like, moments where she's doing it and, like, she'll just be like, oh, pudding. And you're just like, oh, honey, no. She she did that. She tried doing the Tara Strong voice. Yeah, there's a couple times uh, where like she she kind of has her whole own theme to it, and she's trying to pull off the, the Harlequin voice thing, and it's okay for most part. But there there are moments, man, where I was like, did you did you just did you just try to Tara Strong that line? You just tried to uh, Tara Strong that line. No, how dare you? No, um, and the no. the other thing that she should know that the nerds aren't gonna like that. The other thing that that bothered me is of all the things that they could have latched onto for Harley Quinn to call the Joker, they latched on to Puddin. Yeah, but to be fair, that that's going all the way back again. That's that's right up there with the source material. So, you know. J a lot in the animated series and like she doesn't also she doesn't hard refer to him as put into other people as she does in this like there's just like a hard kind of like oh pudding pudding let's do it pudding and I'm just like alright I'm gonna fucking cut I'm gonna cut like because the scenes where they're (laughs) together it's just always like pudding oh pudding the Batman is ruining our thing pudding and I'm just like Honey, but in the cartoon, that's kind of what it was. Well, she says pudding a lot, but then there's also like a bunch of times where she's just like, "Oh, Mister J," like you know, like she says Mister J a lot too. Like, so she has these other things that she does call him, and there are times where like she'll call him the Joker. Um, so wait, you're you're saying she did call him Mister J? She called him the Joker, and she called him Puddin. In the animated series. In the okay. movie. It was most... hardcore reference Puddin. Okay, <laughs> I got you. Times I got when you. She goes, goes, oh, you mean the Joker? And, you know, like, kind of the wink-wink kind of things before he, like, pops up as a character. But other Was that than one that, of those? Oh, he, she said it! She said the thing! <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, her performance is... Oh, amazing like they let her and as i said because this movie is a buddy cop movie between will smith and margot robbie um like they let her get away with so much fun silly comedy stuff in this and it was just kind of amazing like there's a great scene where she's just being like a kid in the candy store like as all this destruction is going around and she's like and everybody else is like worried like even the kind of the hardcore people and she's she's like yo do you see these lights this shit is awesome like um but there are and I, i will give some of the yelly people that i think are mostly only yelling because they can there are a few scenes for will smith and margot robbie that are fucking handed to them to try to make you love them when you don't need to do that because they are playing characters that are going to make you love them anyway but there are definitely some very out of place very weirdly set up scenes that once again i think would be a lot better if they had better fucking editors like god damn it the editing so terrible in the dc movies now if you had if you had to give Suicide Squad a grade, Mister Cooper, what would that grade? Be? Uh, a B, a, probably a B minus, but a B. Um, oh, wow! Only because, as a movie, um, in 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 this context, as a, as a movie that is trying to introduce a concept um, that I think for some people feel was introduced a lot better with Guardians of the Galaxy, but this kind of team up movie from the like outcast you know perspective not the team up movie from the perspective or the avengers perspective but a team up of outcasts who seem to pull it off um 
I think it it hits the notes of fun, right? I think it, if you don't go into this movie with nerd rage, you could have fun with this movie. But the problem is so many people went into this movie with nerd rage. I don't feel like it has so many of the egregious problems. Are you feeling like this movie really never got much of a chance? I am feeling well, all right, so that's what I was going to say, right? Cuz Batman and Super the Batman Superman or Batman v Superman movie um was like this this Gave, was a movie that had hope, right? Everybody's like, oh man, all right, you know, let's put all our hope into this. And then it didn't deliver on what people wanted. Um, and it, and it then, it then sullies the things that come after it. And Suicide Squad had the unfortunateness of being the thing that came right after it. Um, where it puts people in a position where I feel like they already come into it with a sense of disdain and hate. And I feel like they were already they already had eight of the fucking 15 paragraphs pre-written before they even went and saw the movie of things that they had problems with in this movie. Um, I I coming into this, I already know that I have a problem with the way DC edits um, these these movies. They're, and the that's editing not just, what people were talking about at all. No, nobody, nobody seems to talk about that, right? The only time people talked about that was after the, the Batman v Superman movie came out on DVD and there was that director's cut, which I, I had this argument with people about Zack Snyder's storytelling and I feel like his story, his storytelling is fine. I just don't feel like, and, and, and this is a knock on him as a director. I just don't feel like he can tell a, one and a half hour story i just don't feel like he shoots for that i feel like he shoots for these grandiose things i feel like this is probably why i like Zack snyder and why i've defended him here and in other places because i like his sense of scale i like that he is willing to create large visual scapes and take you out of that moment to make it look like something bigger. He yeah. did that quite a bit in Batman v Superman, and I liked it. Yeah. I know I admit that I liked Batman v Superman a lot more than most people. So I see both sides of it when it comes to Zack Snyder. I do. Yeah, so I just feel like, I feel like, I feel like there needs to be, and then, this is one of the few times you will ever hear me say something like this, but I feel like all the people whose jobs it is to, to hardcore just edit at, at these studios need to be moved to someplace else and given different jobs and then have a new team of people who are better at this come just in and do these things. Bad editing all around, you think? Yeah, I, I just, I, right now, that is, that is so what you're problem? saying is that with Suicide Squad, uh, most of all, y- you're of the opinion that there was a really good movie somewhere in here. It just kind of got cut apart too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it, it. I feel like if the scenes were so, there are a couple moments of if the scene scene was shot a little bit differently. But there are definitely for me, for me, from my perspective, a lot more. Damn it! If that was edited differently. Holy shit, that would have been so much of a better scene. Like, there's this scene that is handed to Harley Quinn that is all over the trailers where she kind of splits apart from the team. And I won't, I won't say why if people are like poo poo about spoiler kind of stuff, but she splits apart from the team, ends up on an elevator fighting the, the enemy of this movie. Um, and then she comes out of it unscathed and like kind of on top. And everyone else kind of just looks at her when they catch up to her. And it's kind of like, oh, she's okay. And then that that scene, as it happens in the trailer, is just is the exact same way it's cut. It just happens and then it ends. And they go on to something else. And that scene is never, like, given any real context. It's just a visual piece of candy that then you're just like, well, that was fucking odd. Like, in, in a movie, as a as a 
as a kind of set piece in a trailer, you're like, holy shit, that was awesome. I want to know what the thing leading up to that and the thing after that is in the movie. But there is nothing. There's really Kes, no reason for her to do that. And then it's just it's weird. It's weird. Rem- remind me before we move on uh, to Otakon. Was Suicide Squad PG-13 or R? Uh, let's... Let, let's go to the internet and find out because... If it is, if it was PG thirteen, um, let's see. PG thirteen. It was PG thirteen. You know, I bet that there was a lot cut from this movie, like a lot, because I know the story was originally they wanted an R rating, but I'm getting the impression that there was a lot, a lot, a lot cut. Yeah. I mean, and that that definitely makes me think that all of the things you're saying about the editing it it really makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I just I don't know, man. I'm just I'm feeling I'm feeling very alienated as a fan because like I'm I'm coming to the point where I want to defend these things and then everybody else just wants to like poop hey, on man. them. That was me with Batman v Superman. I I know, man. I know. I was there. That was me. I know. Yeah, and I mean, I understand it. I can I can understand some of it, but I don't know. At the end of the day, I think it was a fun, silly movie. Like I I, I have a lot of love for these characters too, and there there are some silliness, like the Killer Croc stuff. Like I'm so glad. I like like. From a visual standpoint, I'm kind of glad they went with the prosthetics instead of just CGI. But then there's kind of so much of it that is just lost because they can't do a lot with it, you know, because they decided to go that route. So there's just a lot of it. Of uh, There's just a lot of times where Killer Croc is just standing there, like quite literally just standing there. And the same thing with with uh the character El Diablo who like is a pyromancer like there's just a lot of times where even in the books even from what I've read in the books that El Diablo is in he is a very passive person but when he he and he has these these large morals but he's also the type of person to see a right I mean see a wrong being done and then try to do enough to make it right like and he's very he's very high spoken he he will speak up if he feels like like it need like that needs to be done but in this movie there's just a lot of him just kind of standing there and then people are like why are you just standing there and he's like cuz i don't want to you know blah 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 and then that's it right. and then it happens again and again and again so in summation too much got cut from suicide squad too much got cut. I, it, it is my is my take of it. It's too much got uh, cut. The you think it should have been an R rated movie? I I, mm, I feel like I'll rephrase that. Do you think it scenes. could have been an R rated movie? I'm gonna say yes to both because I think they could have right. kept all the themes and elements that they had, and I feel like they could have added a few more action scenes that are a little bit more visceral and and have a little bit more meat to them but not over the top like just just because something is art doesn't mean it has to be over the fucking top like it doesn't yeah i don't need blood squirting on the screen and that doesn't that's not what it means every single time but i feel like you could have come at this a little bit harder um and you and you would have still coming away with something with with good fucking shit but it's just i don't know there, there's just too much going on there all right so let's let's give you some time to get away from that now kaz uh, longtime listeners of two nerdy black guys know that you are a native of baltimore maryland and otakon the big anime convention in that city just took place you are recently removed and back home uh, from otakon You are known for your photography. That is your thing. How did Otakon go for you, Mr. Cooper? Tell Uh, me some things. I haven't been to a convention this entire calendar year, Kaz. Not for an extended stay. I'm losing my goddamn mind. 
Tell me some things about Otakon. There were a lot of people on the anime side of Twitter that were tweeting about Otakon the entire weekend, and I got a good amount of it. But now I'm waiting on you, Kaz. Tell me your Otakon experience for 2016. Up to it. Um, before I, before I get to the thing that we started off our our podcast with, but leading up to it, it it had this air, and I. I, I I, I got caught up in it for a minute, and then I, I just I, I shook my head of the the haze. But it had this air of like the last convention, guys. Like, oh man, guys, I'm never gonna see you again. Like, oh guys, oh no, oh what am I gonna do? Like, kind of air to it. Um, but it didn't carry over the whole weekend, at least not for me, and not not for a lot of the people that I talked to, but. Like once it kind of got swinging, it it felt well. I'm, that's a fucking lie, but it felt really good outside of the fucking devil beating on you. <laughs> like that was the heat during that weekend. It's very warm. Um, it's very warm. Yeah, it was. It was. It was rather warm. Um, I didn't have to carry fucking <laughs> Josh three Dunham with me. Josh Dunham, uh, host of Senpai Coast to Coast. A uh, native of Georgia uh, came up for Otakon and was also complaining about the same thing. Very hot, yeah. very hot. Um, but uh, even with that, right? Like it, it was a fun, amazing con. Just like it just felt really good. Like it didn't feel shitty at all. Like there, it didn't seem like too much issue. Like everybody who seemed to be having fun. It seemed like what a con is supposed to be. Like, it had that air to it, man, where it was just like, this is what a con is supposed to be. This is what you tell people about. Kind of to it, which has been every single Otakon, and, and and some have been worse than others. Um, But that one felt just fucking good, man. Like, everything seemed to be flowing really well. Like, the, even the day to go get my convention, it wasn't... Like, I didn't feel line con at all. And Otakon is one of the biggest line cons for me where it's just like all right i'm in this line got this thing all right now to this line did this thing um like everything for when i wanted to go do it just seemed really really good um i didn't spend as much time in the dealer's room as i normally do during cons but that was that was mainly because of the heat and the just the utter feeling of not wanting to move once you found a comfortable space um which also caused my excuse me caused my photography to suffer a little bit because at Otakon I love shooting outside I love shooting out on that balcony that the convention center has it is such a beautiful place to take shots you get you get you can take one shot and then take another one and they can just have two drastically different feelings to them um all because of perspective um and I kind of don't like the look of the convention center on the inside. So I hate taking shots in the hallways and stuff. And I don't take hall shots in general. Just because hall shots are generally looked at upon you're just holding everyone else up. And you're usually kind of the weird person that stops somebody in the middle of point A to point B uh, to take a picture. But... And then there are other places to take pictures in there that I just, I'm, I'm of the mindset when I'm taking pictures sometimes that I'm like, I don't want that picture again. Um, so I didn't come away with as many photos as I normally would have during a convention. Like, like Otakon and Anime Central for me are the cons where I'll come away with 800 plus photos. Um, I came away from Otakon this year with 200 photos. Was it just um, too hot? It, it was just too hot, and they did have a little bit of of rule on the on the photography equipment, which a lot of cons are kind of starting to have, which makes it suck just a little bit for photographers, um, especially if you're a gear person. If you're like, if you're not taking just straight up handhelds with your flash on top of your camera or you're taking cell phone shots. Um, when I mean like you're, you're, a, you're a person with gear, you set, you're setting up a light, 
you're you're doing posing, doing all this kind of stuff. A lot of times, cons don't have the biggest love for you, um, and you kind of get frowned upon a lot. Uh, like at some point, we were just like, "All right, it's too hot outside. Let's find a space inside where we're not in the way. We could set up the lights, still shoot, do that, and then." Did that for about all the 10 minutes and somebody came over and they were like, oh, yeah, can't have light stands inside. And we were like, really? Yeah. And they're not they're not huge. They're they're no, they're not any bigger than mic stands. If anyone's ever seen a mic stand or if you do know what a light stand looks like, you know, it's not big, doesn't take up a lot of space, is easy to not have in anyone's way, which we didn't. We were on like one of the little sides of a wall that like. It's so easy for people to like see us and not walk, not even, not even can still walk past us and not even enter our fucking bubble of space. But they were still like, yep, nope, can't have those inside or you can't have those like on the ground or whatever. So, like, because there were other guys who had like light fixtures that they were carrying around, but even some of them, they said they were being told that they can't have those in certain places or they can't have like a particular piece of equipment or something like that which generally happens at other cons that i've been to where you kind of get these hardcore like no nose to photography stuff um but it wasn't it wasn't too bad except for the fact that like in that in that wording we're like so does that mean if we do use these, we have to use them outside. And like, I almost got mad for a second because I'm like, dude, it's fucking, it is hella hot outside. I want to, I want to keep the cosplayers as comfortable as possible. I, I am just in a fear of being like, hey, uh, you want to take your costume and come outside into the fucking devil's anus so I can take some photos of it, like, and blast you with more light? Yeah, that's fucking great. Maybe, Kaz, and possibly for next year, you could, just as a thought, just an idea, throw it out there. If you do have to take people outside to take photos, you could offer them some ice-cold water. Because I hear it only costs a dollar. It it does, and I, I thought about that a few times. But with the... So then this is the other thing, right? So this is the last Otakon... Uh, for the foreseeable future, uh, with with possibilities, uh, but not for a long while. Of for Otakon being in Baltimore, Maryland, um, it will next year be in DC, um, at the uh, the District of Columbia, yeah, our nation's no, capital. I'm trying to think of the name of the convention center um, that it's going to be at, um, but it's going to be there next year. Now, Cass, Cass, before we go on, number one, how far is DC for you? And two, are you still going to go? Uh, I might. I'm, I'm. Well, I have made kind of the initial plans on going, but everything always depends on on money and life at that present time and moment. Sure, uh, sure. I'm I'm planning on going. There there has been a lot of blowback of people being like, "Oh, well, I'm not going to Otakon next year since it's no longer going to be in DC." Um well, would, to ask you uh the first question, how far is it from you to to uh, go there? For me, it is um it's a bit of a trip, but it's a couple uh it's like two hours at most um i can take a train get there in about hour 20 um and then there's a little bit of travel to where the convention center is this that's that's not terrible because i lack i went to katsukan which happens in the dc harbor which literally katsukan sits in this area that is in between um Virginia, D.C., and somewhere else. Um, and I did that last year, and so I don't see a problem with doing it again, you know, uh, for Otakon, or, or doing it two times in a year to go to Otakon and then go to Katsukon as well. Uh, I don't know if I want to do it three times in a year and then also go to MAGFest. <laughs> so. This is not unlike the 
the Hyatt Regency in Rosemont, Illinois for Anime Central and the Anime Central After Party Anime Midwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, for some people, it's just, you know, like Otakon was kind of this this thing and very linked to Baltimore for them and like being in the Inner Harbor and all that stuff. Um, and some people are just not super excited about going to D.C. Like I'm never super excited about going to D.C., uh, which is generally why people tend to go to Katsukon because it's not it's in D.C., but it's not really in D.C., whereas Otakon is going to be in D.C. <laughs> like it's going to be in fucking uh, it will be Washington in convention center, the District of Columbia, Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I have an aunt that lives in Alexandria, Virginia, so we'll see. Yeah. yeah. It, I'll roll that over. And I'm, I'm of this mind, right? So it's a little bit of an end of an era, right? Like with, with, with the Baltimore convention, like no longer happening and us not having Otacon here anymore. Um, but I feel like this will be maybe a new beginning. And I, I, I'm at least going to try to go to the first one, you know, just to see what it's like, just to feel it out, just to see, get a different perspective. You know what I'm saying? Like, and like I said about my whole picture taking thing before, like, I don't like taking that same photo. So to go to a con that I, the, a con that I know, which will be in a area that I'm not familiar with and get to find new locations to, to take shots and do all that stuff. That'll be interesting for me. And I'll, I'll, I think I'll have fun with that. It may bring back a little bit of the desire to like do hall shots and walk around the convention center and take photos instead of, you know, be what I've become in like, like pull people to the spot that I love to take photos. Like I'll, I'll be the journeyman and I'll, I'll it'll be, it'll be a brand new adventure of discovery which Kaz is something I need and I don't th- there is something that I wanted to talk about that that I, I think it. that I can I can talk about with you before anyone else as I have mentioned I have not gone to a single convention this entire calendar year for more than a couple of hours Kaz as everyone here knows listening 2016, along with most of 2015, been a couple of rough years for your boy DJM. Yeah. But here's what I'm worrying about. With podcasting and anime stuff and wrestling stuff, I've been starting to worry that I feel like I might be getting a little bit of becoming a little boring. Because it's just been so long since I've really done any of these things. I I feel like maybe not necessarily becoming an adult, which I don't think I'll ever fully do as long as I still love all of this stuff that I'm doing and I'm still doing podcasts. But it just feels like it's been really, 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 really long. And now with my job that I have a little bit of income now... I feel like for the last chunk of 2016, I need to go all the way out because <laughs> I really feel like I'm I'm turning into a boring basic person and I don't know what to do and it scares me. I will definitely tell you having having not been to a convention, right? Like having not gone to any cons until Otacon, like not even for an hour, like nothing until Otakon. Dude, the the hunger hit me hard. Like, um, it was just like, holy shit. Like, I need to be at conventions. I need to go to conventions. I need to go to more conventions. Like, like this is my element. This is my my want. This is my desire. This is where I love to be. This is what I love doing. I, I miss it so much, Kaz. I miss it I, so much. Core, find a way to to make this a thing. Like I gotta really find a way. And Kaz, Ooh. not just conventions. 
I have been also seriously considering going inside the bubble. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I talk about the bubble, I'm talking about that particular city in the state of Texas where a lot of people we both know live. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm thinking about making a trip there to to hang out with all of them, along with going to conventions. Like yeah. I'm I'm going crazy from living in the regular world. It's driving me crazy. Like I love it, but it it is really really pushing. It, it, like, I d- I don't love it. I don't love it at all. I'm going bonkers. What I mean is, I, I shouldn't say I love it. I mean. I'm okay with it, but having then gone to a convention this year and remembered that experience and felt that experience is really driving the desire to to get or create a job that rewards me with that more consistently. You know what I mean? Like to to get a job where, you know, maybe I'm doing more more freelance photography at conventions and then i'm that is my living income so that is my working income so it is well more that's that's the dream to do that you know yeah that's the dream but that's the dream that's the dream we all have i would love to be the black chris hardwick and have a a network of podcasts and 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 a talk show and get to go to conventions and interview famous people and hang out with really attractive cosplayers. That's the dream. <laughs> but until then, I've just got to find a way to get to my next con. And I've got to get ready for whatever the next podcast I do on Delta Juliet Mike, which, you know, might have some things going on. Because I want to thank you again for doing this little show with me for oh, all of these wait. years. Before we end this, all right. This, this this thought and this theory that I have been I have been crafting, and this is the perfect place for me to bring it up uh, before I before I put it out into the ether. Hit me, Hit me with it, right? Um, generally, for me as a photographer, when I take photos of cosplayers, and the image that pops into people's heads is usually a young lady, right? Sure. Uh, and I will, I will definitely say and agree. There are a lot of cosplayers. I mean, there are a lot of cosplay photographers and photographers who go to conventions who very hardcore ignore hardworking guy cosplayers. Mm. You know, and this is one of those things I don't do. When I when I when I go to look for somebody to take a photo of, I'm just looking for awesome fucking cosplay, super clean. Super nice, awesome cosplay, right? Um, not necessarily the prettiest girl, not necessarily the most physically fit dude, but when I mean like somebody who's dedicated to the craft and has like high really quality put... cosplay is what you're talking yeah. about. Um, and I've, I've kind of noticed this and I have like a small problem with it, but then I realized where that comes from. And it comes from the factor of a lot of times what is perceived of the general like kind of male cosplayer is he's doing it because his girlfriend's into it, right? Like usually you'll see a lot of couples cosplay um, and it's not necessarily that mm. it's his own. But sure. I, th- I think that's one. Yeah, that's no, that's one. one. I'm, not, I'm not saying that's everyone. I'm not saying that that that's the only reason because there are there are male cosplayers who exist that are awesome at the fucking craft and they're awesome at it they they craft their own shit they do their own stuff i i put fucking bill duran in that in that classification right like the dude is a cosplayer and he is good at his motherfucking craft like um but but he considers himself a prop maker, you know what I'm saying? Because that that's his hone and his skill. But he's still, by the by, a cosplayer. Um, and I just feel like there's a lot of times where they don't get the 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 ones who are really good at the craft and really dedicated to the craft don't get the like reward that a lot of female cosplayers tend to get. And I'm not making this a sexist thing. 
I'm just saying. Just I the opposite. People, it sounds like you're doing just the opposite. Yeah. I just want people to start paying more attention to the guy cosplayers again that are really dedicated to the craft. And I know sometimes it's hard. Sometimes there's the dude who who is doing it because his girlfriend's into it. There's the dude who's doing it because he's kind of a creeper and he dressed up as one half of a, a cosplay because he wants to see the girl that is in the other half of that cosplay and make kind of that weird connection, you know? Like, those things exist. Just like the creeper fucking photographer exists, you know? And I have to deal with those things sometimes at at conventions where every so often sometimes when you approach somebody you forget that they don't know already know who you are so you sometimes come off as the creeper photographer or you know you have that happens a lot with just being a guy at conventions in general wouldn't you say yeah it does it does but i feel like so when i started doing photos at conventions like like i mean started started i started off as what i call like the perch kind of dude right you're walking around with your camera in your hand and you're looking around and you don't know what to really do and then you see somebody else ask somebody for a photo so you kind of move over and you like you kind of hold your camera there for a second like hey could i all right all right cool and you know and they're like oh yeah sure come on take a photo um and there's that and then kind of move on to the like the the um excuse me can i photographer and like I've gotten to the point now where I'm a little bit overconfident because I will straight up walk up to people with no camera in my hand, no nothing, uh, which one of my friends says is weird. Uh, and I will just straight be like, hey, your fucking costume is amazing. I think it is super fucking cool, super fucking tight. Will Would you like to over there where you see hand those him a business card? Shit? I don't, I don't even card. do that. I don't even do that. Oh, shit. dude, you got to do that. You got to... If you're not carrying your gear, you gotta hand them the business card. That I, is I instant legitimacy. This is this is where this is where the over the confidence comes in. I go, we're doing some shots over there. Your fucking costume is amazing. I would love to take some shots of it if you were willing. And they're like, yeah, fucking but, awesome. But I bet, I guarantee that your success rate is already like at least ninety percent, right? It is. Um, it is. <laughs> so. But the first, like, I, I hit that point unaware of myself at some point, and then, because I was doing it by myself, and then, uh, like, I think it was at maybe Katsukon last year or another convention a couple years ago where, like, I was with another photographer. I put my camera down to go chase down a cosplayer, and he went with me, and I was like, yeah, I, I like, I saw you over here. Fucking costume's awesome. We're taking pictures way the fuck back that way <laughs> like would you like be willing to come do that and you know like i talked to them for a few minutes to try to be like and I, you know and he was like the way you go about it though makes it so not creepy because like you stopped them from just following you and you were like are you with anybody and they were like oh yeah my friend is over there you're like right grab your friend just so you have somebody with you let's fucking go it'll be cool it's awesome it's great and he's like he's like you sell them on this whole idea <laughs> he's like well you know you you are you sound professional you're you're well spoken kaz you're very well spoken <laughs> uh and you are you clearly know what you're doing so i i think you have that advantage yeah cuz you also you also hide your creepiness very well i do but it was it was also funny having one of my coworkers there Cause his perspective on like the way I, I, the way I approach photographers and then the way I take photos of photographers, he's like, yo, you're mad aggressive. He's like, you will just tell people you're like, all right, I love what you're doing, but it's not what I need. I need you to stand here. I need you to like, I need you to give me this. And he's just like, he's Dude, like, that's, that's what fashion photographers do. That's what they do in the magazines. Yeah. That's exactly and what I, they do. I think that's where I got it from. Cause like, you know, like how, we learned in this day and age is watching YouTube videos and a lot of online learning. And like a lot of the photographers that I love are fashion photographers. And, and that's what they are. They're just like, Oh my God, I love you. I, you're great. Your eyes are terrible. I need you to do this with your eyes. I need you to bring them out. Like, and I don't do, I don't necessarily do that, but I, I do find myself using those techniques sometimes. And I'm just like, Oh fuck. 
that's that thing I got from fucking watching Peter Hurley videos and shit like that. But yeah, but now Kaz, as I just know myself, you know what I'm going to ask you now. Yeah. Where? Oh, where Brandon Cooper? Can we find your work? Um, I have been very diligent about putting it exactly everywhere so if you follow me on twitter you can see all the links to the instagram because I'm, I'm being very diligent about what i share where so uh you can go to my instagram king Kaz photo is what i want to say it is um i i never remember instagram because it's still a piece of shit to me uh, but yeah so king Kaz photo that's where i'm going to be putting a lot of the stuff um in kind of shitty quality uh you want to see it in good quality go over to the 500 px page and see it there and then once i have everything done and edited like instagram and 500 px.com slash king Kaz is where you could see it like as it's done being posted then once everything is like done and collected and I have my collection of 2016 Otakon photos, you can go to facebook.com slash photo and, and see it all there. All at once. In glory. And there you are. And one more time, follow Brandon Cooper on Twitter at KingKaz. I'm David. You already know my stuff if you're listening to this. Thanks for listening to Two Nerdy Black Guys, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.